0: It was my first and last church in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. And uh, those were 24 of the greatest years of my life. I didn't have it on my bucket list to be a district superintendent. So you can just call me Carrie when you see me. No special title needed. But I knew without doubt that God was in on this idea. It was on his bucket list for me. And so it's been with great joy since about May uh, that my wife and I and our youngest child, uh, Tree and Walker Coonhound Lucy, uh, have been traveling across this district in our RV. And it's been wonderful to meet the people called Nazarenes. We met some other people too along the way. I've been seeking God's heart for what he'd like for me to share today. And I really, I don't have a... I don't have enough influence with you to share this message. (laughs) But I have to be faithful with what the Lord has placed on my heart. And so I I yield uh, to the pastor at any moment to come up and just stop me. But I believe it is a good message. But I'll let the Holy Spirit work the way He works because He's the one who has the influence anyway. And I just want to share what I believe Lansdale Church would like to hear, and what God would like for you to hear. And so if you have your your copy of Scripture, I am going to be using the Bible today. (laughs) I will not be preaching out of USA today or anything like that. I will be using the Bible. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have it on your Bible app, uh, go to the message paraphrase. And uh, you can also just listen, because faith comes by hearing, not by reading. And so I'm going to read the passage here in just a moment. But it will be 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to go to about verse 19. So I'll meet you there in a moment. I was listening to your pastor with that what-if idea. And that last line he shared, what if our community saw our church as, well of the community where they could find hope. And then I knew I was on track. (laughs) Thank you for putting that last line in your what ifs. And really, I guess that's what I'm trying to say today, is that very thing. I was raised on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Um, I come from a family of commercial fishermen. Actually, commercial shrimpermen for the most part. Yep, we're regular old Bubba Gumps. Um, the greatest leader I ever had in my life was my dad, who was a boat captain. And I learned more from him than anyone else. He had 11th grade high school education, but he was still the smartest man I ever knew and the greatest leader I was ever around. I remember in 1967. Uh, I was six years old, so you can do the math. I am younger than I look. Uh, It was 1967. It was a Wednesday. And there had been something different about our home since about Monday. (laughs) Uh, I didn't know what, but something was different about mom. Uh, Dad was out shrimping. He was often going a week or two at a time. At this point, my mom was raising me, a six-year-old, and my brother who was one. Billy Joe is his name. And uh, I remember it was Wednesday and mom started getting us ready. It felt like Sunday. Uh, she was dressing us, cleaning us up and, and uh, she put us in the Pontiac. Uh, she put me in the front seat. I was riding shotgun. She put my brother in the back in the car seat. And uh, she seemed excited maybe a little nervous even, but there was great excitement. It had been building since Monday. And so we had a, a down the little road there on the island we lived on, and uh, about two miles we took a left, and we went down the old ferry dock road, and we were actually going to church. <laughs> uh, I didn't know what this was about, because we only went to church on Sundays and only occasionally. And we pulled up at the little church there, and, uh, it was in the winter, and it was dark, getting dark, you know, already, and I remember mom parked the car and shut the lights off, and she said, Carrie, get out, and I got out, and, and she got my brother, and then she grabbed me by the hand, and she was moving toward the church so rapidly, I mean, every once in a while, my feet hit the ground, and I said, I don't really know what's up, but I think this is good, and we came in the little vestibule, the little uh, welcoming area of the church, and... Uh, Uh, All the old saints were standing there, and when we came in, they commenced to shouting. I don't know if you know what I mean by this, but um, they were under the spout, and the glory was coming out, and when we came in, they just got happy, Uh, and I, I didn't know what this was about, and so we went in for the service, and on this particular evening, a layman, Brother Oliver Griffin, who was like a pastor, he was leading the service, and when it came time to pray, he called on Melba Willis to pray. This is my mother. I never heard my mother pray out loud in my life. And uh, she prayed this beautiful prayer. And she thanked the Lord for saving her. Now, they didn't take a lot of mercy on you in those days. They just threw you, in the, you know, into the grease. Uh, I found out later that on Monday, my mother had given her life to the Lord. And word had been going throughout the island, the good word, and we were going to Wednesday night prayer meeting. (laughs) And the saints were waiting for our arrival. And when we came in, the only place I have seen similar cheering is when I went to a Celebrate Recovery rally. (laughs) That's the only place I've seen similar cheering about a lost person coming to Christ. And I'm sitting there, a six-year-old, and I'm studying my mother. She's praying. She's thanking God for saving her. And then she ends her prayer. This is really the only line I remember in the prayer. She said, Lord, help us reach the lost before it's too late. And I was dumbfounded. I didn't know exactly what she's talking about. Something happened to me on that night. Uh, I did not come to the Lord as a six-year-old, but I want you to know that since that night, I have carried my mother's burden for lost souls. Since that night when she prayed, help us reach the lost before it's too late. What if our community saw our church as, well, the community where they could find hope? My mother somehow found hope for her life and for our family. It changed the trajectory of our lives when the people of that church lived in such a way that my mother knew something was missing. Actually, someone was missing in her life. And it changed everything. I heard John Maxwell preach a message a while back. I borrowed some of his thoughts So I want to give him some credit for helping me with this. I don't know uh, how you feel about this, but pastors really get worried when their church flatlines. You know, you go a lot of years and you don't see increase. And we have a lot of reasons for why that happens. And many of them are good reasons. Well, it was a year to go in my ministry. I didn't know this. I had one year to go. The Lord knew. I didn't. And our church had been flatlined uh, for, for a few years, really. I mean, we had a large congregation, but we were flatlined. And I want to say that this message that I shared with our local church had at least something to do with what happened next. Somewhere in and around the time that I shared some of these thoughts that I want to share with you today. Our church saw in my last year of pastoring 456 conversions. <laughs> and our church grew by 150. So we weren't just winning them and they were coming to our church. We were winning them and they were filtering in other places. And uh, and, and when the Lord called me... <laughs> Away from the church. I'm like, but Lord, we got this thing moving now. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, and I think it's best for you to go now. And just leave it in the hands of young leadership who have energy and can keep up with what I'm about to do. Uh, Maybe that's what he was saying. I don't know. But uh, I want to say that God is no respecter of persons. (laughs) And I believe that he wants to do that on the Philadelphia district. He wants to reach the lost. Before it's too late. And you know how he's going to do that? (laughs) Through us. (laughs) Through us. Aren't you excited to be in on this? This is just powerful. Well, John Maxwell shared a statistic. He said, I hate to break it to you, but 53% of all people are not coming to church. They're not coming. They're not coming to your church. They're not coming to that church. They're not coming to any church. They've already decided, we're not coming to church. Church is not relevant to us. That really broke my heart when I heard it. But then the Lord began to work in the opposite direction. You know God is an optimist? (laughs) That's what grace is all about, optimism. And when I began to just worry over that idea of 53% of people are not coming to church, it's like I heard the voice of the Lord saying deep within me, he said, my sheep know my voice. He said, Carrie, it's okay because the church can go to that 53% who are not coming to church. (laughs) That's a different way of looking at it. You know what, friends? We, as the found, have to be present where the lost are. We, as those who have eternal life, have to be present where those who are dying are. We are the hope of the world. Christ in us. Is the hope of the world. Now, the Apostle Paul, I mean, you talk about getting biographical. Talk about a testimony. In 1 Corinthians 9, listen to what he has to say. The message paraphrase, verses 19 through 23. These words have helped me immensely. Here's what he said. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone... I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. (laughs) Do you remember my mama's prayer? Help us reach the lost before it's too late. So the Apostle Paul says, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach, that I may reach, a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist. The defeated, the demoralized, and then I love this word, whoever. Just, you, you put a title on them. Just, I'm out to reach, just whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my barrens in Christ. But I entered their world. And I try to experience things from their point of view. I have become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Wow, help me, Jesus. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Can I get an amen, maybe two or three, who would say, so be it, Lord Jesus. That's good. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be in on it. And you know, as Miss Kim and Miss Lucy and I have traveled from Williamsport, uh, Pennsylvania, to Cape May, New Jersey, we've had a lot of wonderful encounters with Nazarenes, but we've had a lot of wonderful encounters with a lot of other people they go by other titles (laughs) because when the lord called us here he didn't just call us to the churches he called us to the masses one at a time and my heart is burdened for all the people lost in this region of the world but i'm encouraged (laughs) because we can go to them We can go to the dying with life. We can go to the lost and say, you can be found. But the Apostle Paul says we have to enter their world and try, try, try to experience things from their point of view. I'll break it down quickly. Uh, This is really a a series today. I I won't get near finishing. I'll pick it up at the next church and, and try to go with it. Well, Pastor, what can you tell us some things? Yeah. Number one, we had to be very intentional to add value to lost people. That's where we start. We we have to add value to their lives. I rarely share my faith with lost people until I've had some time to add some sort of value to them. It really is true, that old saying, they don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And uh, I'm asking God to help me in a new way to know how to add value uh, to lost people. Second of all, I want to be very intentional to everyone. Now, all of this is in the scripture I just read. You can go back and draw the lines. I want to be very intentional to everyone. For God so loved the world. Do you know that God loves people? I don't know. God even loves people I don't like. God is pretty amazing. There's people God loves that we don't even like. Because God values all people. I have a a new associate working alongside me. His name's Kevin. I hope you get to meet him really quick. Because he's going to rock your world. I've never met anyone that knows how to add value to people's lives like Kevin. He's got a wonderful wife, too, from Puerto Rico. Her name is Ruthie. She's from Puerto Rico, via New Jersey. (laughs) Ruthie taught me about how God loves all people. All people. I had her on the platform at our local church one Sunday morning, and I interviewed her. And I said, Ruthie, tell me a little bit about growing up you know, in the United States uh, with a family from Puerto Rico who, who didn't speak the language and maybe the culture was quite different. And she began to tell her story. And uh, she said, when I was a little girl, she said, I would go to, to the doctor with my mother. And I was, I was the interpreter. And she said, I, I, I noticed one day that my mother was invisible to the people at the doctor's office. They never even looked her in the eye. They only talked to me. My mother was invisible. Pastor Martin, that broke my heart in half. For this little eight or nine-year-old girl to realize that her mother didn't even have enough value to the people at the doctor's office to look her in the eyes and to acknowledge her. She was invisible. And Ruthie's really messed me up, you know, in a good way. Because it's hard to walk through life and not have a few invisible people. There's a lot of people. And uh, here's the way I worked it out with my staff. I said, don't you miss anyone on Sunday. (laughs) Anyone. (laughs) I said, if you don't have time (laughs) to look people in the eye in the foyer, take the side door and go around back where you won't meet people. I can, because people can't come to church and be invisible. <laughs> we, we, if we're going to pass them, we've got to touch them. We've got to encounter them. We've got to smile at them. And uh, I remember I had hired a new worship pastor. Uh, he stayed with me 23 years. <laughs> Still there when I left. But one day, uh, he was working, and he's a great musician and could really lead worship. But I saw him go through our crowd in the foyer like a bullet, <laughs> like a stray bullet. And I watched the people behind him just looking at him, you know. And the next day I called him in my office. I said, Joe, that's not going to work. He said, what's not going to work? I said, we're going to have to take pastor off the back the end of your name <laughs> and just call you music. <laughs> because yesterday you went through the crowd and you missed them all. And he said, oh, did you see that? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, well, what was that? He said, well, the microphone was broken. I said, that's really a big deal, I know. But the next time you need to go to your office and the foyer is full of our people, take the side door. (laughs) Don't go through the people like a bullet. You know, when I left the church there, Joe and I worked together. He helped me so much. He was my brain stem, you know, when I couldn't think. To watch this boy who was raised in an environment where there was no touching, none of that stuff, he's hugging people. He knows how to hug properly. He's hugging people in the foyer. No invisible people in his life anymore. Well, in church it needs to happen, but in the world, we really cannot afford to encounter invisible people like the waitress. (laughs) Do you know that I told our people in our church, I said, if you're not going to tip really big on Sunday, stay home, eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you're killing us. (laughs) Not this church, I'm talking about my church. Because, you know, I've had restaurant owners tell me that waitresses don't want to work on Sunday because it's the lowest tipping day of the week. I'll tell you, our church changed that in our community. <laughs> we changed that. We changed that in a big way because people think they're invisible. And we are the church. And we wonder why people don't want to come. And maybe it's because we haven't prayed, Lord, reach the loss through us. Help us reach the lost before it's too late. So number one, be very intentional. Add value to lost people. Number two, be very intentional to everyone. Number three, be very intentional in knowing who you are in Christ. Be very intentional in knowing who you are in Christ. I love what the Apostle Paul said. (laughs) He said, I didn't take on their way of life. I've kept my bearings in Christ. You know, Jesus, if he had had an epitaph, do you know what it would have been? I mean, I I was in Jerusalem just two weeks ago. uh, I visited three tombs that they said could be the tomb of Jesus. They're just not real sure. But here's the good news. All three are empty. (laughs) There's, There's the good news right there. Do you know that if Jesus had had an epitaph, I know what it would have been. If he hadn't just rented a tomb for the weekend, like we rent a car from Enterprise, if he had not done that, if there had been an epitaph, it would have said, Jesus, friend of sinners. (laughs) But he didn't take them on their way of life, he brought them life. He brought hope. He tried to understand where they were. He has no invisible people (laughs) in the life of Jesus. he knew who he was, and he knew what the people needed. Well, this is the place where you participate with me just a little bit. I want you to begin to look at your neighbor here in just a moment. You're, you're going to say something. Uh, I don't have to be like them to reach them. Go ahead, just say it to someone. I don't have to be like them to reach them. Okay. Now if you're one that needs reaching, we're encouraging you right now, aren't we? I I don't have to be like them to reach them. Now here's the second thing. Now I gotta say this. But I have to like them to reach them. (laughs) That's that takes the pressure off. You don't have to be like someone to reach them, but you have to like them to reach them. And Jesus will help you with your liker. If you're having trouble with your like her, he will help you with that. There's a prayer that I pray. Lord, help me to see every person the way you saw them when you were hanging on the cross. Can I tell you that's a prayer he'll answer? Sometimes I have to say, Lord, back off too much. Let me breathe. I'm not in someone's presence more than three minutes before I start thinking about the condition of their soul. Now, it might be three months before I can say anything to them about Jesus, but I can start liking them, and I can start praying for permission from the Holy Spirit to speak the good news to them. And I believe it will change the church. I believe it will change this church. I believe the best days are the rest of the days for this church. I believe you've been sustained over the past, for the present, and for the future. And I believe Lansdale's going to get a hold of this idea. That God wants to use me, reach through me. He wants to reach through me. Well, my time's almost up. I think most of what the Lord wanted me to say has been said. But I do want to say this. Just could it be, could it be, as Christians we come across as judgmental? And we make sinners mad when we should be salt and light and just simply make lost people hungry and thirsty to know Jesus. Do you know that I, have, I don't know one person who came to Christ because they lost an argument with a Christian. <laughs> I do not know one person. But I know a lot of people who came to Jesus because they couldn't get over how much of his presence was in that human sanctuary called a person. And I believe there's hope. I believe there's hope for the lost. <laughs> I believe there's hope for the weary. I believe that there's, there's hope for the, the ones who think there's absolutely no hope. I believe there's hope, and I believe you are the hope. I believe you are the hope of Lansdale and beyond. I believe you're the hope, and so uh, the service came to an end. My mother had prayed, and I'm standing there, six-year-old, confounded. And we went back to the Pontiac, and I loaded back in front seat. Mom put Billy Joe in the back. She got at the driver's place, and she started the car, and the the dash lights came on in that old Pontiac. They used to have a red Indian head in the dashboard when you had the brights on. And it was lighting my mother's face, really warm. I still see her. She is young. She was so young. She was just a girl. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my young mom. And I said, Mom, who's lost? And she said, what? I said, You prayed. Help us reach the lost before it's too late. And she said, Oh. And she turned to me. And I don't understand how, but only as a mother can talk to her son. She explained to me who was lost. And I understood it. And I knew I was one of them. And I would hold out till I was 12. <laughs> Before I came to Jesus. But today, I have two brothers. We have Billy Joe. He's preaching in Kingsport, Tennessee today. He's a Nazarene pastor there. My youngest brother, Stephen, he preaches in Nazarene Church, Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, we just couldn't get over Mama's burden. That's what happened. See, I lived in the day when you locked your children out of the house. I don't know if some of you remember this. But my mama, she would lock us out of the house and say, don't you come to the door unless it's an emergency. And you know what she did? She went to the front room. And she closed the door. It was her sanctuary. And she took her clean up next box. And she got along with God. And we were not to disturb that unless it was emergency. And a few years ago, Pastor Mark asked my mama, I said, Mama, what did you pray for in that front room? She said, well, I prayed a lot of stuff, Carrie, but I had two staple prayers, and I let loose of them. She said, I prayed, Lord, make something out of my boys. And she said the second prayer was, help us reach the lost before it's too late. She said, Carrie, you know, I never knew he'd answer my second prayer with my first one. And that's why all three of you preachers, (laughs) because I just wouldn't let up. She's living on the coast of North Carolina. My daddy went to be with Jesus in 2014. She's all alone there, no family really. Uh, No grandchildren. Everybody's gone. We're preaching. You think she's upset about that? Oh, no. I called her the other day. I said, Mama, how are you down there? Hurricane coming, all kinds of stuff. (laughs) She said, oh, Carrie, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied in Jesus. What are you going to do with that? I said, Mom, are you sure you're completely satisfied? She said, listen, if I die, I die to satisfaction. She said, don't you worry. We'll get together in heaven. She said, boy, reach the lost before it's too late. Lord, today, as Pastor Mark comes, uh, I don't know who it is in our circles of influence who are dependent on on the hope within us for their own hope. But I don't believe it's complicated. I believe, Lord, that it's simplistic but profound. And I pray that you will give us a new burden for the lost and that we will be the ones that you can reach through to win the world.
1: So what if... So what if you were to simply love on some people in your neighborhood? I hope that you were thinking about some people that you know that don't know Jesus. And if you don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus, go get yourself some sinner friends. Right? So... Our neighbors across from us are selling their house and the reason why they're selling their house is because they lost it because they're both alcoholics and whenever she is inebriated she brings us over flowers and just says here I wanted to give you these flowers and so Holly and I over the last few years their daughter committed suicide last year so we immediately went over and we just friended them and offered them services and so forth so here's what i'm thinking i'm thinking that you have people in your life that don't know jesus but i'm also thinking that you have tunnel vision just like i have tunnel vision because i'm always running from the house to the car to the church to someplace else and it's pretty hard to build relationships right But consider this, you're living where you're living for a reason. Maybe you don't even know that, but you are. And God planted you there by his sovereignty. And there's people around you that don't know Jesus. That doesn't mean that you have to go this afternoon and present the gospel to everybody in your neighborhood. That may fall flat unless you've built some meaningful relationships, but it does mean on your way from the house to the car, you can pause and smile and say, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. Hey, our churches have having special services, love to have you come. Hey, Upward Basketball, right? You just got to find a way to just be Jesus to somebody else. So I think what I took away from this message is a reset for me. I spend 90% of my time in the church. That's not good. Right? And I think if you're careful, not careful, we, we do the same thing. We just hover around Christians. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I want you to think of one person that you know. It could be in your family. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be somebody at work. And do one person, if you want to think of more, great, but just one. And just say, Jesus, how can I live my life in such a way? How can I earn the right to eventually say to that person, hey, you want to come to our church? Or say to that person, hey, I know Jesus. Would you ever have any interest in knowing Jesus? Have you noticed that our world's getting more broken? This is a great opportunity for us. So let's bow our heads together. Would you just pause for a moment and pray for that one person? I'm going to pray for my neighbors across the street. was our divine appointment with you today to get us to think of somebody else who doesn't know you. What if the reason why Pastor Kerry was here today is to share that message that you laid on his heart to stir us up. What if there's somebody in this room who actually doesn't even know you and this was the moment where they said, wow, I get it. Father God, stir our hearts for our community. That's such a broad term community. How about this? Stir our hearts for our coworker, our neighbor, my son or daughter that doesn't know you. And Lord, will you give us fruit as we are faithful to share Jesus. And it's your your name I pray. Amen. Have a great day. In the Lord. God bless you. Thanks, Pastor Kerry.